So let's pray together and we're just going to get into it. Father in heaven, today is a great day. It's your day. And for that, we're very grateful. Just to be in worship is a wonderful gift from you. But to gather around other people that love you is an even greater gift. Father, because we're all here to focus our hearts and our minds on you and to be able to do that through unique ways like singing and worship and giving in the offering and setting our hearts and our minds on how much you love us through communion. And then getting to hear from your word. Lord, it's, it's just a remarkable thing. So thank you for this gift. Thank you for this group. What we're asking as we move forward into this message is that you'll shine a light on each one of our lives as these four brave people share from theirs. Help us to see your footprint and your signature in the ways that you have have impacted every one of us. We're asking that in Jesus' name and with great faith. Amen. A few weeks ago, we started a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Your feedback's been absolutely wonderful. I appreciate your attendance and your attention as we have gone through all of these different things. And I really appreciate the feedback that has come my way. I know a number of you have taken things that we have talked about on Sunday morning and then you have applied it in your own personal study and you are mining even greater depth out of what we're talking about. And really, thank you for sharing that with me. Most all of the comments that have come back through this series of sermons has been very, very very positive. And then this last week I got one that was a bit on the lighter side and I really appreciated it as well. Julie Brossman sent this to me. Take a look. How you look leaving a situation the Holy Spirit clearly told you not to get involved in. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a lot of humor in that but also a lot of truth. That's just pretty good. It really is. Last week we were talking about moments of quiet and moments of silence in our life and the way that the Lord works through those. Well, today we're going to be looking at what happens when the Holy Spirit is moving at warp speed and how He changes our lives when we allow Him in and allow Him access to some of the deep places of who we are. And you're going to be blessed by what you hear. You really will. But in order to set all that up, I, I found myself thinking through some things that are very common to a lot of us, like this. Most everybody in this room, at some point in your life, has been asked by somebody if you want to hear the good news or the bad news first, whatever it might be about. They've said, do you want the good news or the bad news first? And almost every one of us will say, we want the the bad news first, because the good news turns the tide of the bad news. So we usually want to hold on to the good news or hold it in reserve so that it can have a greater impact in our life. And I, I'm exactly the same way. Well, as we were getting ready for today, I was thinking about how good news, when it follows bad news, really is a relief for so many of us. But that took me on a, an even deeper exploration. I started thinking about bad news and good news in the Bible and how that whole idea, do you want the good news or the bad news first, might apply in Scripture. Well, most of us would say that even when it comes to Scripture, we want the bad news first so that the good news can turn the tide of it. 
And that, that just sent me on a little exploration. Not a real long one, just a, an exploration. I want to share it with you. It started by figuring out the definition of good news versus bad news. And, you know, that's not all that difficult in this information age we live in. So let me show you what I found. We'll start with the bad news. Here's a definition. Bad news. Something that is troublesome, unwelcome, or dangerous. In Scripture, that looks like this. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's bad news. By anyone's count, that is bad news. But thankfully, the Lord doesn't leave us stuck in the bad news. There is good news that comes very quickly on the heels of a a declaration like this. But first, let's start with the definition. Here's a definition of good news. Someone or something that is positive, encouraging, uplifting, or desirable. That's good news. Now, look at it from Scripture. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. By anyone's count, that is good news. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I didn't stop there. Because I realized very quickly that God made this good news value-added. Now, have you ever thought about the term value-added? Familiar with it? You've probably heard it, but do you really know what it means? Here's the definition. Value-added is the additional features or economic value that a company adds to its products and services before offering them to customers. Now, you might be thinking, all right, Phil, I was tracking with you, but you've lost me now. How did God make salvation value-added? Glad you asked. You got to give me a little bit of grace, a little bit of mercy in order to morph this definition into something that we can use today in light of Scripture. Here's how I would change it. Value-added. Value-added is the additional transformational value that God put on his gift of salvation through the Holy Spirit before offering it to his children. That's what God did. When God designed salvation the way he did, which happened before the beginning of time, he made it value-added as he was giving us the gift of his son, but also the gift of the spirit that would come into our lives and transform us. That's the gift of the Spirit. Let me show it to you in Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, show us the value-added part of salvation. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Now, if you have an amen anywhere in you, you may want to get it ready because there are several places in this passage where it's called for. So don't be shy with your amen this morning. Be willing to use it. And I'll even help you see some of those places. So if you're not normally an amen type of person, well, become one. Here we go. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? There you go. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen? For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, 
He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Amen. For to set the mind of the flesh, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen? Amen. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Amen? If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Good use of your amen this morning. You're going to hear all about that in four short stories. We've called them five-minute testimonies. They are really good. They are really good. We are going to start with Jennifer Kohler, and then Chris Parsons is going to share with us. Chris was up here leading worship just a few minutes ago. And then Bev McGinnis is going to come and share her five-minute testimony, and then Stan Kohler is going to share his. And right after Stan, Les and Cindy Brothers, who lead our Celebrate Recovery ministry, are going to come and tie it all together for you. You are going to like this. Listen close, but listen so that you hear the value-added part of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and let it shine a light on your own life. When I say let it, I mean what you hear, the message. Let the message shine a light in your own life that you might see what the Holy Spirit has done or needs to do. Pay close attention. Would you welcome Jen this morning? Romans 8.18 declares, For I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. My name is Jennifer. Most people here at church call me Jen. I've been asked to talk about part of my life story in five minutes, so here goes. My life was filled with abuse of one kind or another, mainly one. To this day, I don't remember if it started with my brother or my grandpa but I do know it was ongoing with my brother. When I was 14, I told my mom what my brother was doing, and she told my brother to stop, and nothing was ever said about it again, but it didn't stop. In high school, the abuse was continued by a bunch of popular guys, so nobody believed me, and I got beat up and bullied almost every day. My car was maliciously vandalized to the point of my safety being a serious issue, repeatedly, even when I changed schools. A man who I thought of as a father, A cousin, one of my dad's co-workers, and a trusted friend of mine all abused me. I could go on and on. I tried to commit suicide for the first time in high school. I moved out when I was 17. All along, I kept wondering where God was. Why was he allowing all of this bad stuff to happen to me? I actually gave up on God because I felt like he didn't care about me at all. I was becoming a victim. I didn't know how not to be a victim. 
I kept unknowingly putting myself in dangerous situations where I kept getting victimized, in other ways as well, even into adulthood. I was deserted by my abusive husband and left to raise my three small boys on my own. I really struggled to even function. I was so broken. I managed to fake it in public, but I broke down literally every night after my kids went to bed. My friends and family took advantage of me every chance they got, and I kept letting them. I thought if I was invaluable to them, then they would love me. Then I lost my boyfriend and his two kids in a tragic house fire, and it was almost more than I could bear. My oldest brother helped me cope by getting me high. Soon I was getting high more than I was being a good mom. I was at the lowest point in my life. That's when Stan came along and rescued me and my boys. I was so dysfunctional that the brother who abused me my whole life was living in my house when Stan and I met. That's pretty messed up. Life was difficult for Stan and I. My past definitely affected our relationship, and so did my dysfunctional family and friends. Stan's son came to live with us, our son Dylan was born, and we were a true blended family. There were times I wondered if we would make it. We managed to raise our five boys and somehow survived all that came with that. We eventually found our way to church, and here at Libby Christian Church, through lots of counseling and classes with Liz, Celebrate Recovery, an eye-opening step study, and Pastor Phil's sermons and teachings, I have learned that God was there for me even when I thought he wasn't. He never left or abandoned me. I have also learned that I am not a victim. I am a child of God. I may not know the reason for all the abuse that I suffered in my life, but I know that God has a plan to use it for good someday, some way. I am trying to find a purpose for my pain. I still struggle with depression, but now I try to focus on my blessings instead of my burdens, like my seven beautiful grandchildren and not my sadness. Some days are harder than others, but God has surrounded me with a circle of godly women who lift me up when I can't hold myself up, and I am loved by my church family. I have found my purpose over at the mission closet. I had no idea how much it would change me to work over there. God says that I am a masterpiece. I like to think of myself as a work in progress. God gave me the love of words. I love to read, I love to write, and I love to talk. Lately, I have been reading some amazing books. I have been writing a lot, and Celebrate Recovery has given me the opportunity to speak in front of people, something I never would have done before. I don't really know what all of that means, but I definitely feel the Holy Spirit gently pushing me. The Apostle Paul tells me in Philippians 1.6 to be confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I know a lot of people say that I have changed. Obviously, I have lost a lot of weight, like a whole person, but a bigger change happened on the inside. Some of the change might come from just feeling better about myself or from physically feeling better or maybe even from changing the way that I eat and the fact that I started walking almost daily. But something deeper happened. I feel like I was a caterpillar my whole life, and now because of Jesus, I am a butterfly. Hello, my name is Chris. I'm a grateful believer and follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like some of you, I was raised in his church. Dan Brosman Sr. tells me a story of how his dad bounced me on his knee 
and called me Tiny Tim while we were attending services at the Old Grange Hall. I spent my childhood in Sunday school and youth group. When I was 12, I was baptized while attending camp at Lake Maronan. After graduation, I moved to Kalispell to find work. From here, I lost my way, indulging in drugs, alcohol, and sexual prim promiscuity. This continued for a long time. I was married, had two wonderful children, but the things in my life didn't change and it wasn't good for our marriage. Uh, my wife eventually left me and our two children said they'd be better off with me. At that point, I started attending services at the Real Life Ministries in Spokane Valley and also got hooked up into their marriage counseling. And after two years of going through counseling, my ex-wife decided that she wasn't having any of it and she wanted a divorce. So I granted her that. And while this was going on, my mom, seems like I missed something. Oh, yeah, I said my mother always prayed for me and tried to convince me to get involved with the church and I know that there's ladies here in the church that were friends of my mom that were praying right along with her and, and that's so awesome. Um, anyway, uh, after the divorce, while that was going on, my mom was in a battle with lung cancer and I decided to pack up my kids and move back here to Libby because I wanted to spend as much time with my mom as I could. In the spring of 2007, my mother went home to be with the Lord. Something changed inside of me. I started truly seeking the Lord, attending Bible studies and local recovery group Overcomers. It was about this time that Celebrate Recovery was introduced in our church. And through CR and Bible studies, reading Bible step studies and prayer, God has changed me. I am no longer the person I was. When I was going through the step studies, after, when I was in, actually in my second st step study, I was uh, praying. I was praying with a purpose for God to give me a purpose in his, in his church. And I'd been doing this for well, quite some time, a couple, three weeks daily. And uh, the last time I said that prayer, I opened up my eyes. And there was my old guitar standing in the corner. It was all busted up, and I'd been dragging it around with me for years. My mother had given it to me. The next day, I went down, and I bought new tuners and strings and pegs and put that old guitar back together and just started playing the three chords that I knew. <laughs> so um, anyway, after that, I was offered the opportunity to uh, be involved in a worship service at the Assembly of God through the Overcomers Ministry, and I, and I did that. And uh, since then, I've been just trying to lead people and praise and worship to the Lord. Um, anyway, I'm no longer the person that I was. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I urge you, brothers, 
in view of God's great mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This scripture stands out to me. It has been a long road. As I look back, I can see the truth in these words. Through God's word, I am still a work in progress, daily renewing my mind in his ways. Thank you for letting me share. Wow, you're right. <laughs> Hi, church family, and hello, CR tribe. My name is Beverly McGinnis, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. You know what? I need my glasses. <laughs> I met the Holy Spirit over 27 years ago in a bathtub at 8131 Whitaker Street in Buena Park, California. I was curled up begging God, if he's real, he needed to save me or bring me home because I couldn't go on with what I was doing. And what I was doing was checking out for my children and my husband. I had a meth addiction that had complete control of me, a life spiraling out of control, and I was so ashamed of what I was doing to my family, stealing from my children and the constant lies to everyone, especially to myself. In that bathtub, I felt an immediate warmth within my body a complete warmth that was like a hug from within. It's the only way I can describe what was happening in that bathtub, but I knew I was heard. Matthew 18, 12 and 13. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave that 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. About two weeks later, after the bathtub Holy Spirit moment, I found out I was pregnant with our youngest daughter. And I told the doctor what I'd been doing, and she told me that she was going to test me weekly. And if I ever tested positive for drugs, I would not be bringing that baby home. I was given a good case of morning sickness and never used again. Thank you, Jesus. Now I need to let you know that Michael has given me his blessing to give part of his testimony to tie this together with mine. I wish I could tell you that my life was a happily ever after. It was not. I had left scorched earth. This is what my husband called it. My older children didn't trust me and I couldn't understand what else I could do to make it right for them. After all, I was now sober. It wasn't until we moved to Montana and my husband got arrested in August of 2013 that things really started to get real. I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version of this incident. We got into a verbal fight. A Kleenex box was thrown. Our daughter called the police. Michael was taken to jail. The state of Montana put a no-contact order out on myself and our daughter. My oldest daughter and I bailed him out and he couldn't come home and we really didn't know anyone in Libby. 
Michael went to Libby Christian looking for help and was introduced to Gene Ogie and started attending Celebrate Recovery. I followed shortly after and started to study with Darlene Ogie on life's healing choices, and my life was really starting to change. I had to take a look at myself and only myself and be accountable for the things I've done to others and make amends for those things. This has been an ongoing process for sure. Every day I stumble, but I'm quicker to see my faults. I'm not sure how many 12 steps I've gone through since starting and Celebrate Recovery, but each one is different. And each woman sharing that experience with me is a special member in my tribe. We are able to share intimate details and know it's being shared in a safe place. I was able to make amends to my children, my husband, and my parents. My middle and youngest daughter still hold on to hurts that I left them with. Some days they'll talk to me, and some days they won't. I can't beat myself up over it, although truthfully, I still do sometimes. God has forgiven me, and all I can do is love them and pray for them. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are women I met in CR, mature, beautiful women who made magic in my life, willing to accept me <clears throat> for who I was and who I am, showing me Jesus, Darlene, Carolyn, Joe, Janine, and many more, not making me feel like some weird outsider, but someone who is worth being a friend to. I know better now, so I have to do better. Sometimes people don't want to hear truth. They want to hear the things that make them feel better about their choices. If it's sin, it's sin. I can't validate anyone's sin. I know better, so I need to tell others better. This is the same thing I deal with when dealing with some addicts. Jesus is the answer. Trust in him, give it to him, and leave it with him. All you sweet girls, one day, will have your own testimony to give to others who are struggling and testify to the power and love of Jesus. Life is so beautiful having a relationship with Jesus and just breathing air. I finally realized my addictions were bigger than me. I couldn't do it without God. I asked him to take it, and he did, and there is where I left it. And this is the best part, at least for me. I am so grateful to God for allowing me to come through all this and not being bitter, for allowing me to go through a drug addiction, addiction and come out loving my life, all of it. It has made me who I am today, no longer leaving scorched earth, but sometimes just a slow burn. My story is filled with broken pieces, terrible choices, and ugly truths. It's also filled with a major comeback, peace in my soul, a restored marriage, and a grace that saved my life. Thank you for letting me share. Wow, there's a lot of people up here. <laughs> um, Earlier, when I come up the first time, I was like, man, you know, I'm the last one here, so I won't be nervous, but here I am. I'm nervous again, but I'll get through it. Um, my name is Stan. I've been asked to talk 
about part of my life today. It's not something that I like to talk about, but for Celebrate Recovery, I will. Um, I hope it can help someone who might be dealing with it also. I have suffered with depression my whole life. But most of my early life, I could ignore it, and it didn't really bother me too much. But later in life, it seems like things out of my control pile up, and I get so down I can't sometimes get off my couch. The first time I remember it getting really bad when it was my first marriage failed. It was filled with anger, and I was filled with anger and bitterness, and it closed my heart and broke me, and I lost my self-worth, and I felt like a failure. I seemed to spend a lot of time either on my couch or asleep, except when my son was around. I felt sorry for myself, and my life was so empty. This went on for several years. I had a job where I was out of town for about two weeks at a time. When I was home, I tried to pretend that everything was fine. But still, I avoided life except for when my son was with me. My ex and I never could find any middle ground. I don't know who despised who more. We couldn't have a conversation that didn't turn into a yelling match. I couldn't even hear her name without it triggering some kind of anger. Then I lost my job because of my own stupidity and depression really kicked in. Excuse me here. My friends and family were con so concerned about me because I was just so down. I didn't really want to, okay, and then, um, I got talked into a blind date at a Christmas party with some friends. I didn't really want to go, and I really didn't want a date, but I agreed to go. But I had no idea how much life would change that night. Jen and I were designed, designed to be together, and we were both so broken, and our broken pieces seemed to fit together perfectly. Kind of sad, right? <laughs> life was difficult, and we couldn't catch a break. Family issues, illnesses, and deaths plagued our first years together. I swear the devil tried to tear us apart from the beginning. Like I said, life was tough for us, and life kept kicking us when we were down. I had a few more bouts of serious depression that knocked me to the couch again, and then I got sick. I was on some medication that was causing my body to slowly shut down, but nobody really knew it. Jen and the boys thought I had cancer and wasn't telling them. I thought everybody thought it was all in my head because doctor after doctor couldn't figure out what was wrong. Boy, my depression was worse than ever then, and my fuse was so short that it was almost non-existent. I would get so angry that I would storm out of my house and go walk the trail near a park by my house, sometimes several times a day. Jen called them my anger walks. I wasn't eating. Heck, I wasn't doing anything. That's when Jen drug me to see her friend, Liz, a counselor here at the church. It had become more than just depression. Liz called it failure to thrive. She said people actually die from it. I didn't know I was, I, I don't know that I would say I wanted to die, but I think I was ready to. Liz suggested a different doctor who immediately caught the medication problem. Liz also suggested I start counseling with the guy from the church. I immediately started feeling better, physically, mentally, and emotionally, and I started going to church. 
I went for several months alone before Jen started coming with me. Boy, I'm telling you, that was the best thing we ever did. Living Christian Church saved our lives and probably our marriage. My anger walks slowly turned into prayer walks where I would ask God to change my life. We began volunteering at the mission closet and enjoyed it. Then we were asked to take it over. We weren't sure if we were right for the job, so we prayed about it and we talked to Liz and Deanie about it and decided that if God wanted us, we thought if God thought we were the right ones to do it, at least we could do was try. We must have been the right ones for the job because the mission closet mission has exploded. So much so that we had to add on to our building and it has become so much more than just handing out free clothes. We see God's work there every week. When we first started going to, when I first started going to celebrate recovery, I mostly thought I wanted to go because of gin. I already had sobriety, so I didn't think I needed to go, but I realized that I needed it also. I had issues that I needed to work out. Through a step study, I reluctantly went through after putting it off for several years, I had been able to let go of some of my anger, pride, and resentment. We have surrounded ourselves with some pretty awesome Christian people who we know we can count on and walk through this life together with. I still have depression, but it isn't nearly as bad as it used to be. And I know now that the Holy Spirit inside me is there to help me whenever I'm feeling down and that God has everything else under control. Thank you. These are just a few, that's loud. <laughs> These are just a few of the stories that we get to witness through Celebrate Recovery over the last 15 years. Um, the Holy Spirit is working in Celebrate Recovery in the lives every week, and it's amazing. You get to watch the healing power of Jesus. God's word tells us in Jeremiah 29 that He has a plan for our life, a plan to prosper us, not harm us, a plan to give us a hope and a future. All right, well, there's some really neat things happening at CR. And again, I just want to thank each of you guys for your willingness to come up and share and bear your souls. It's just an amazing thing. It's really something to just be a part of this ministry and watch God at work in lives. Um, it's humbling, truly, and there's some amazing stories happening out there. So um, March 7th, we're, again, as Phil had said, we're going to be kicking off our 15th year at Celebrate Recovery. Um, uh, dinner starts at 5, large group starts at 6, and on March 7th, Steve Johnson um, is going to be sharing his testimony um, with us there at CR, and we'd love to invite you all to come and enjoy that with us. So, um, yeah, there's just some really neat things going on. Um, we know that life's hurts, habits, and hang-ups, it just, it's something we all struggle with. And this morning, um, the prayer room will be open, and Deanie will be over there. And if you've got something on your heart that you need to pray about, or someone you need to pray for or something, there'll be somebody over here that'd be more than willing to sit down with you and pray and go from there. So we want to thank you guys, and have a good day, and enjoy. Enjoy.